Welcome to the latest edition of Crystalcast, where we go behind the headlines and we take a more in-depth look at the specialist finance industry. Bridging finance is an area which seems to divide the financial services community. Some brokers love it and see it as a great solution for their clients. Others look at the reputation it used to have and maybe see it as a product of last resort. Take a listen, I hope you enjoy the content and as always if you are a fan please click on subscribe and stay tuned for more future releases. And as always, all the information provided is for the use of financial intermediaries only. Okay, so today we're joined by Richard Deacon, Sales Director at Masthaven. Good afternoon, Richard. Good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Um, If we can start off in traditional crystal cast fashion, can you give us three surprising things about you? So I did think quite long and hard about this um, and asked my colleagues, I even uh, went on the Google to see if there was anything about me, because there isn't actually that much interesting about me, Chris, unfortunately. <laughs> the, the, the couple of things um, that I have written down that, that aren't that interesting are, if I was born a girl, my name would have been Muriel, which is quite bizarre. It is. Um, I've never watched Game of Thrones, any of the Marvel films, or any of the Harry Potter films. Uh, I was a Wickerwood Shield winner in 93, and for those of you who know, you know... Uh, and finally, this is the fourth one, as a Chelsea fan, we talked football before we went on air, um, my personal opinion is that Eden Hazard is one of the most overrated players in the Premier League, and that might surprise you by the look on your face, it has surprised you, uh, and I could spend all of this podcast talking about why I think he's overrated. Is he a good player? Undoubtedly. Is he one of the best in the world? No. I don't think he holds a candle to the likes of your two boys Salah and Mane I don't think he's in the same postcode as the Messi's and Ronaldo's of this world you look at someone like Son at uh, Spurs you look at even like a Jesse Lingard a Marcus Rashford a Paul Pogba at United who've had a poor season but they've got similar amounts of goals and assists and for one when Hazard's on song, I think he, he is wonderful. He's beautiful to watch, but he, he has far too many games where he's anonymous. That's why he's not one of the best players in the world. That's why we should bite Madrid's hand off if they offer us anything near £100 million. And that's why he's overrated. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Let's see how controversial that is out there. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So into the, the detail of this then. So you've, you've spoken recently about education. Okay, yep. That's a key for brokers. Is that an area of focus for you and for Masthaven? So I'm a, a big advocate of education in, in the industry, certainly, but certainly amongst uh, brokers as well. Experienced guys like yourself and, and, and other specialist distributors and, and packages, education is mainly, I think, an internal thing. You know, you've got obviously got Harriet working for you now, who, who was with us um, a while ago, and, and Harriet's knowledge is fantastic, and she's brought that to Crystal, and that can then be... be you know, filtered through within Crystal and also the, the brokers and, and and people who use you directly. As as a lender, I think it's so difficult because whilst we can look to educate the crystals of this world, that's great, but we've got that relationship with you anyway. The education that I think is sort of most important is for and I'll label them the common or garden broker who may not know who Crystal are, who may not know what specialist lending is, but they'll come across a situation in their 
broker lifetime where they'll have a, a downsize or a chain break situation that they don't know what to do with. And for, for someone who's worked both in the regulated and non-regulated, the, the specialist and the mainstream, I used to be at Santander for my sins, and I've worked for a packager as well back in the day, to, to not have that knowledge, to let that customer slip from your grasp without a, a relevant product to help them break, sorry, make that chain up or to downsize effectively, I think is just, it, it's, it, it's upsetting for the customer because they can't get what they want, but also as well for the broker, being blunt, it's an income stream that they're missing out on. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they don't know about it or it may be perceived in a poor light with regards to the cost, um, I think is something that it does great with me and something I, I, I do bang on about constantly in, in you know, things like this and talks I give and articles I write because education is the key to, to success in, in any world. You know, It's in, in enhancing your um, products that you can give your customers and, and therefore they're making your job easier because you can make your customers' lives easier. Rather than just saying no to a mortgage, you can say no to a mortgage because of this reason, Mr. Customer. However, there is an option for you here that will get you what you want. It's called Bridging Finance. Let's talk about this. Um, so yeah, big advocate. So what would you like done about that? What would you like to see happen in the industry? So a number of years ago, the Association of Bridging Professionals um, mooted a bridging uh, exam paper akin to that of, of CMAP. Um, and a great idea, nothing ever came of that. Um, FIBA uh, under Adam Tyler's tutelage has now I think taken that mantle over and, and the latest meeting I was in with Adam we did talk about an educational uh, exam surrounding bridging finance I think was the specific uh, topic but also specialist finance in itself with invoice discounting, asset finance development etc. For me I think it would be difficult to get a standalone exam um, especially if it's non non-mandatory mm-hmm. um, we did talk uh, myself and the other lenders in the FIBA meeting that it could be an idea to put it within CMAP um, Adam has many fingers in pies with with, with Whitehall and, and the government and he said I'm Remembering that I think he said uh, that he could look to see if that it could be included in the CMAP because you have CMAP 1, 2 and 3, broker passes that and they can, they can advise on mortgages. If there was a section in there, maybe 10 questions on specialist finance or, or, or topics on specialist finance, bridging I would suggest being the primary one um, because I think it could help the broker in their... Um, day-to-day life but also on the wider market as well if it ever came back into the high street banks the high street banks could look to offer bridging finance as they did many moons ago uh, and the high street bank uh, operatives would have to know about the short-term finance and if if it's a, a section within cmap i think you know why not Let, let's do it you could get uh, bridging specialists uh, to write the paper or write part of the paper to make it real to make it um, knowledge gaining as opposed to just having it in there as a tick box Um, because if you have it as a tick box I think it doesn't serve its purpose Um, 
education after CMAP is, is effectively non-existent other than the CPD that people have got to do <clears throat> but is that really gaining a knowledge or is it just ticking a box for compliance but yeah that's what I'd like to see if we could get it within the CMAP that'd be fantastic as far as I'm concerned I made an interesting point about perceptions of bridging people mm-hmm. often dismiss it as being a, an expensive product or an unsuitable mm-hmm. product I was at a round table recently with a number of insurers and they were looking at providing PI insurance to valuers and, and their view of the bridging market was 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. They were still bringing up the Toyotas and Chevelles of the world mm-hmm. and I think outside of, of our area of expertise there is a completely different view of bridging finance. I'm sure once people start digging they can find more information and, and we've got a series of webinars and, and things like that people can look at but the emphasis is really on the broker to go looking for it. Um, so I think that's a really good point if we could do something where it's almost given to brokers and take that decision away from them it's going to make the market a much better place it it doesn't surprise me what you've said but it really does upset me that there's an awful lot of people out there who do think about the olden days of bridging I won't say good old days but the olden days of bridging as you say the Chevelles and Toyotas and you know, the few others who aren't with us anymore, the Davenhams of this world and the link lendings of this world. Um, everything is cyclical. Um, you look at um, adverse credit, for example, you look at the Bank of England base rate, you look at house prices. And um, I, I believe bridging is cyclical. I've, I've, I've been at Masthaven now 11 years. Um, and, you know, when I joined back in 08, it was very much... You know, those guys were around. You know, they were our competitors. Um, regulation wasn't a big thing within the bridging market, purely and simply. We became regulated 2010, and pretty much since 2010, the the aim was to grow and you know get a banking license, become a bank, etc., etc. But there were some lenders out there whose practices, you know, were spurious Um, the fees being charged the hidden fees that were there were you know bizarrely for all to see when it came out in the wash Mm -hmm. Um, lenders lending way above the risk curve just to try and get you know money in the bank as it were I mean you know we looked sadly enough at at, um, Amicus recently Um, that's not really a heart back to to those days but of, of a similar ilk they were yeah, high on the risk curve. Um, well, particularly cheap, but they they were they were high on the risk curve. And the, the classic saying is, anyone can lend money out. Um, the difficult part is getting it back in. Yeah. Uh, if you're lending high loan to values on some less than prime real estate properties, you you are surely in the lap of the gods with a with a small shift in market, um, a small shift in in consumer thoughts with regards to. Warehouse conversions or HMOs or whatever it may be. Generally speaking, they're on the up these sort of things. But if you get the wrong one in the wrong time in the wrong area, you you, you can make a loss, and, and that's what what a lot of people did. But um, going back to your sort of point, it, it really is the educational piece. You know, you're saying that these guys are thinking back to the olden days. You know, ten, twelve years ago. Well, who's who's done anything to change their perception? Is what we're saying, isn't it? And yes. You know, is it the lender? Is it the the broker? Is it the client? Who is it? Whose whose job is it, if you will? Is it the media's job? I don't know to to change people's perception. The, the answer is probably all. You know, part everyone does their own bit. Um, 
but until you can do such thing that it will change those people's mind and, and I would suggest as well the people thinking that haven't really touched bridging within the last 10 years yeah. so why would they think any different you know uh, if you don't touch or look at anything for 10 years your mindset is well it's like it was when I last had a look at it so it, it's going back to square one and, and going back to how many times have these people said no to a deal that they can't do for time constraint reasons or income reasons or credit reasons or property condition reasons where a bridge could work and, and I would suggest they would have had at least one in the last couple of years Obviously, Masthaven have now got their banking licence, mm-hmm. as you touched on earlier. Um, how has that changed things? Quite a bit. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I, I've been at Masthaven 11 years, and when I started in 08, there was, I think, four of us or five of us um, in a service office in Lombard Street, and there's now 178 or something like that. Wow. It, it, it's, it's grown exponentially. Um, we've been a bank now for two and a half years um, which is great um, I still joke that when I come into the office I sit next to my, my team and, and I ask who certain people are because there's new people start every week and I've no idea who they are which is my bad but if I'm only in here once a week you know, I, I try my best to say hello to everyone um, we've got new premises on the, 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 the go as well in Covent Garden uh, we're moving in I think July to larger premises which will obviously come out in the press and stuff purely because we, we I think those offices hold about 220, 230 and we want to all be together whereas at the moment we've got this office in Soho Street and an, another one literally over the road where we've taken a floor there because we grew so quickly but we, we all want to be together again um, and make it happen um, the investment recent investment from Varde uh, the American investment firm was, was a great boon to us um, it obviously means we're doing something right it means that we can uh, leverage more money for uh, bridging and, and development as well as obviously the long term the residential and the buy to let and second charge mortgage side of things so um, the, the the grand plan is is is, is working very well um, sometimes still can't believe we're a bank because it's weird Chris you know um, Having, you know, I've dealt with you guys for probably all of those 10 years in fairness but it is weird that we are now a bank but it's it's really good really good the, the new changes that we'll be coming out with shortly with our product and, and the whole market stuff you know we're going to be some of the cheapest bridging rates out there which you know a few years ago I'd have never I always dreamed about having the cheapest rates because my goodness as a salesman you want the best <laughs> products to sell so yeah um, but yeah it's, it's just been a an overused phrase but an absolute game changer and again you touched on the fact you've been in the industry 10-11 years now what's the biggest change that you've seen throughout your time I don't think there's been one major change um, you look at a couple of things it, what we're doing today for example technology has technology changed bridging in the last 10-11 years yes of course it has um, but has it changed it massively That there was a um, a couple of three years ago, maybe four years ago, a few firms were trying to do a sourcing system for bridging, um, you know, akin to sort of 27 Tech and Mortgage Brain Trigold. That never really has taken off massively, purely and simply because bridging is so unique. There's not one simple tick box. Bridging, and a lot of people's adverts are bridging isn't tick box. 
um, purely because of the, the, the vagaries of, of the bridging market. So you can't really shoehorn bridging into um, uh, sourcing systems. So what else has changed? Certainly the pricing's changed, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, pricing's gone you know, south of 0.5%. I mean, when I started it, we... We were one point two five percent per month, and that was competitive. Yeah, I remember those days. Well, it was really competitive. <laughs> um, you know, some guys were one and a half, one point seven five percent per month, and they still got plenty of business. Um, I like to think that I know we've just talked about it earlier with regards to you know isn't that much in the brokers' forefront, but I would say from ten years ago to now. Bridging is more than what it was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, bridging primarily was used as the day one back-to-back remortgage with Mortgage Express. Largely <clears throat> um, doesn't exist anymore. And so the likes of ourselves and other banks and, and regulated lenders, I think, have got into the regulated bridging side of things, certainly for, as I said earlier, the chain break, the downsize, the capital raise, the second charges, uh, the self-builds, although we're one of only few who do the self-build stuff, it is still regulated, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think that's become a bigger usage of bridging than many people think. There's, again, a, a, a quite a few indexes and, and information packs out there from certain lenders and brokers and conglomerates of, of the two. Um, I can only, obviously, comment on what we do, and we do the majority of our business is regulated now is that something that we've sought out no is it something that we're known for yes it is um quite why i don't know maybe because we made a big song dance becoming regulated nine years ago um because it was a big thing for us and in the industry it was a big thing as well um and since we've become a bank i I guess you're looked at more of a regulated lender because you are you've got bank in your name as it were like 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 our competitors so i guess that you know the broker would would gravitate to you as opposed to clearly a non-regulated lender but a non-bank uh, lender for their regulated facility um but i think in general the the overall perception of bridging has got better although clearly from what you've said it, it's it's got a long 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 way to go um i think the, the rise of guys like yourself, of, of Crystal and other specialist distributors has been, you know, a big part of that has been bridging. You know, um, there's, I would say, probably 10 top specialist distributors in the country um, who are probably the 10 biggest providers of bridging finance to lenders in the country. Um, if you're a a broker who has little or no knowledge of bridging you would go to someone like Crystal if you are a broker with a little bit of knowledge you'd probably still go to someone like Crystal and if you're a broker with loads of knowledge you might still go to someone like Crystal because you can get generally speaking the same remuneration which let's be honest that's why we all get out of bed and you get the same level of service if not better because the crystals of this world have that you know, relationship with lenders where they can say, "Oh, can you look at this one as a priority, or can you do me a favour on uh, looking at this, or, or whatever it may be?" And because of that relationship, the lender would generally gravitate and say, "Yeah, we'll have a look at it. Yes, we'll prioritise you because 
we know you give us good business, good quality business. So the all the brokers, unless their absolute model is bridging, would benefit by going to a specialist distributor who knows about bridging. So really long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> but I would suggest in those 10 years, the specialist distributor model, shall we say, as I say, the crystals of this world have, have increased, A, their knowledge, uh, but B, their their market presence so much that yes you'll still do the buyer to let and the, and the inverted commas normal stuff but your own specialisms in, in, which include bridging and development commercial etc uh, have come to the fore which again can only be good for the consumer we've touched on it again in the, in the last two questions there but where do you think the opportunities currently lie for brokers um, one of the, the big things uh, in Milestone that we're looking to increase is our development finance uh, both regulated and non-regulated. Um, if you look as a, not a global market, but a global industry and, and, and look outside of the industry, in, in fairness, and the, the whole housing market situation, um, we hear stories all the time about um, developers who've got planning permission on something or other because the council have said, yes, we need housing, we need housing quick, if you want planning permission on this disused post office or disused, I don't know, hotel or whatever it is, yes, you can have it because we just need housing, we need it quick. So I think the country's needs for housing <coughs> have filtered down uh, into uh, the the broker industry that, that we all fish in. Um, as a lender, we would be folly not to look at doing more development finance. It's It's a reasonably scary product because having done bridging for ever um, you know first first question you always ask the, the customer is what's our security and security is is main residential house or a buy to let and you think okay lovely it's a bricks and mortar house I can view it on street view or whatever and it's lovely alright might need a bit of a, um, a, a refurbishment on it but we're happy with that with development you're often lending on mud and grass and that mud and grass has an intrinsic value and within the first month or so that value's actually gone down because all you've done is dug a couple of bloody great holes and stuck some concrete in so it's to, to get your head around development finance is quite tricky um, but if you work with people, if you work with good surveyors, if you work with good brokers um, who know what they're doing with regards to the client's and the client's experience and the um, contractors doing the builds or looking to do the builds, it, it's a, a very profitable deal for, for all concerned. So um, the, the biggest opportunity I see is development for us. Not many other lenders do ground up development. Certainly the you know our competitors in the space don't do an awful lot of ground up. So that's where our, our number one opportunity lies. And what trends are you seeing alongside that currently? I would say the biggest trend, and, and funnily enough, it, it concurs with, I think it was the MT Bridging Trends um, article that came out recently, and that's on refurbishment. Mm-hmm. I think their stats showed that it was 30% of all bridging loans are now for refurbishment. Um, again, it, it, it kind of concurs with, with the thoughts that I said earlier. A lot of people do want new houses, but if they're not available 
and they can't move into their new houses, they will look to do refurbishment on their own houses. Whether that's a simple kitchen and bathroom, whether it's a side extension, a side and rear extension, a loft conversion, uh, changing the windows, the doors, etc., maybe making a four-bedroom house into a six-bedroom HMO, that sort of thing on the, the landlord investment side of things. For us, we see more and more and more refurbishment uh, inquiries and you've got to draw a line, I think, between refurbishment and you know minor development or light development, if, if you will. Refurbishment for me, and, and it sort of goes with Marstaven's thing, is if you've got a, a, an envelope of a house, a footprint of a house, and you're not doing anything structural to it, then that's refurbishment. If you're then adding, you know, you're taking out the back and you're putting on a back extension and a side extension, there's going to be some point where, you know, it, it's open to the elements for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and that would, does that involve um, footings? Does it involve planning permission? You know, it, it will involve open to the elements at some point. And for all that, it's a small chance. There's always a chance that something could go wrong halfway through and we our security has gone from this lovely perfectly normal house to something that's you know it's not wind and water tight it's open to the elements etc so again talking about risk which for sales guys difficult to do but i try my best um you you've got to take that into account so that for me you know where there's major extensions or you know roofs being gone into the loft etc that that for me is more than light development or minor development and of course you've got your ground up as well so but listen that, that every every lender's different every lender's different on the risk curve but um yeah for me it's the, the refurb is the is the trend that we're looking for or we're looking at as well yeah we're seeing that with with a number of other lenders as well there's now a huge array of um refurb products lending for costs um doing a bridge and then going straight into a terminal and things like that. Yeah. So um, I think there's more opportunities for brokers in there, so maybe that's alerting them to, to doing more business in that space. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, um, it's just a trend that we're seeing as well across the market from brokers. Um, so following on from that, where do you think the market will be in 12 months' time? Um, I, again, I thought quite long and hard about this question. I think... The, the quick answer is I don't think it'll have changed that much and I'll tell you for why um, if you think back to the start of the year we're now middle of May if you think back to the start of the year I, I think most guys had um, lenders and brokers had a reasonably poor February and the reason for that was Brexit we were hanging our hat on from memory the end of March thinking what's going to happen there's a lot of scaremongering about. There was a lot of people downing tools. There was a lot, in, hypothetically, there was a lot of people saying, do you know what, I'm not going to look to move house. I'm not going to look to raise funds. I'm not going to look to renovate my property because this Brexit thing could be big. It could blow everything out of the water. I could lose my job. I could lose my income. Let's just see. Obviously, we know what's happened now. What's happened now is we're no further forward from where we are and I think if we're being blunt no one really knows what's going on too much and certainly within the last month to, to sort of eight weeks really two months it's almost been a well do you know what let's Brexit doesn't look as though it's going to happen and we don't really know what's going to happen so let's just 
let's just crack on with things. Let's just crack on with that house purchase. Let's just crack on with that refurb or that development. Because if we wait and wait and wait, you've gone a year and uh, nothing's happened. So in within the next 12 months, what would have happened? Well, Brexit may or may not have happened. There may or may not have been uh, a general election. Um, and I think that that's what I hang my hat on with regards to the question mark in the next 12 months. Because if there is a general election and everything stays as it is, then fine. You know, um, I, I don't think that would be much of an issue. However, if um, there is a change of government, um, it would, by definition, <coughs> start um, panic bells ringing, not for any particular reason that it, it was a, a hard left Labour government coming in or, or whatever it may be, but simply, purely simply because it is a change. And whenever there's a change either in the offing or a change that happens, it, it's indecision again. You know, oh, so, you know, Labour have come in and taxed this and um, house prices that. No one knows. Everyone goes back into their shell again. And until the dust settles, which would probably be three to six months after an, an election, that's when you can go back to normal again. Um, I think you'll see more... Broke, sorry, more lenders coming out with a developmenty refurby product, as, as you alluded to, Chris, earlier. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think there's going to be any huge changes because of the Brexit slash change of government question mark. Again, a little bit earlier on, we t- touched on technology. Yep. Um, what part do you think tech has to play in the bridging market in particular? So, touched earlier about the. Um, Sourcing systems that you know never really took off, and f- I, I think for prime deals, you know, good uh, chain breakdown size, clean credit, property in good condition type of deals, you could get away with a, uh, a sourcing system there. Um, that could work, uh, although there are even quirks in that as well, especially if it's a refinance as, as the exit vehicle. But what we're looking at is on the refurb side of things and potentially on the development side of things as well is using tech to potentially negate the use of um, monitoring surveyors or or further surveys along the line when works have been done and for a quick example on a refurb scheme so Customers bought the property and it's uninhabitable, needs new kitchen, bathroom, etc., etc. So we get the schedule of works from the customer. Surveyor goes out there day one and says, "Yep, yeah, you know, you're buying this property for, I don't know, half a million pounds, and it is a bit of a, you know, bit of a flea pit. You do need kitchen, bathroom, windows, heating, floors, decoration, whatever. So you get the schedule of works, and then why do you need to send?" a monitoring surveyor or the same surveyor back to do a re-inspection when this work has been completed. Why couldn't, for example, the client Skype or FaceTime a underwriter at Masthaven and walk them through the house as a, right, we we lent you the money to do your kitchen, your bathroom, this, that and the other. Well, I'm going to walk you through the house. We're going to go through the front door, new front door, for example, and you go through each room, make sure it's been decorated. You can ask them, oh, can you just go left? Can we see the windows? Can we see the joints? Can we see the seals? Um, can we see the outside if you've done landscaping? 
can we see the drop curb that's been put in? Can we see the tiling? Can we see? So, you know, we, I know a, a few lenders have done video calls with their clients, and we've done a video call with a client once as well when they they were uh, abroad. And you think this tech is available to us? It, it, it's on every one of our phones. We can call our mates, or generally, as as, as lads, if we we're away, we we speak to our wives and children on it. But why don't you use this as as a tool? To, to negate the the, the need for a, a, a quantity surveyor, not maybe so much on development, certainly on refurb, but monitoring surveyor for the, a the cost, b the time, and see what does that guy do when he goes out there. He has a look around. He talks to the client. Well, we can do that without anyone going out there, so it saves time and money. And I think in in life in general, saving time and money is going to be fantastic. And if you can do it via use of tech, why not? Really interesting point. Um, I've got a bank account with one of these online-only digital banks, yep. and I had an issue with a password earlier. And to do the password reset, you have to send them a video of you saying, my name is Chris Corns, and can you reset my password? Oh, wow. And then they, they run their security checks on that and send you a new password through. So you say this technology exists, yeah. and it's there, yeah. and it's being used, and, and that would be a really good solution for customers yeah. if that could be implemented. Yeah, it's something we're, we're looking at. Um, obviously, from a compliance perspective, we need to do everything right, but I think that could be a big big step but for anyone who does it you know it's not obviously us who'll do it but I think that could be huge excellent and again traditional crystal cast style last question if you could make one change to the industry what would you do and why I want to be controversial Chris if I may okay if I could make one change in the bridging finance industry it would be that all bridging lenders or all lenders who purport to be bridging lenders are regulated and the reason I say that is I think the whole industry should be regulated anyway Um, we are in the business of lending money to customers for personal use or business use generally I think think those are the two main ones Um, you know, the argument is, oh, if you're lending to a company, it's not regulated, correct? You know, if you're lending to a company on their, their work premises, why should that be regulated? And my answer is you're, you're still lending against security. You're lending against gen- generally real estate, but also commercial property. Plus, one of the reasons why I think bridging sometimes but historically has got a bad name and sometimes even to this day still gets a bad name is there are some lenders in inverted commas out there who still charge astronomical rates astronomical fees um, but possibly wouldn't even class themselves as bridging finance lenders but they are categorized as such because they lend sometimes family money or if you will conglomerate money at ridiculously high rates with penal fees but because it's a short-term loan for 12 months, for example, um, they're classified as a bridging lender. Now, you or I or, or you know, people we know would, would never go to these specific lenders, and, and again, I would use the inverted commas on those, because we know in the industry that there are numerous other lenders that we can use. There's the, again, I don't want to go sort of too, I'm certainly not going to name names um, on air, but... I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening to this will know one, two, three or four lenders 
akin to this, where it's very, very high interest rates, very high uh, in rates or arrangement fees, and also still charging exorbitant um, exit fees. Again, if you go over term of your loan, you're, you're charged penally with regards to uh, fees and daily interest. And those guys, few and far between, and you know their their you know their pot of money is probably five, ten, fifteen, twenty million a year. But they've got the money. Some of it is family money, um, and they lend it out under the auspices of bridging finance. For, for me, it isn't bridging finance, and that's why I think bridging finance lenders should be regulated by the FCA to, to keep it with all in house as it were and then the other lenders are almost called something else I, I don't know what private lenders or private lending or something like that because that for me tarnishes what is a good uh, name uh, bridging finance market is something I'm proud of working in proud of working for, for Masthaven proud of working with, with uh, brokers like Crystal and um, that's what I would change if I could Brilliant Richard it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for your time Pleasure talking to you Chris thank you very Brilliant. much Thank you To hear the rest of the series and be notified first of future episodes hit subscribe and to discuss any of the topics covered in today's Crystal Cast or any other specialist finance requirements call us on 01827 301070 or visit our website at www.crystalsf.com Thank you to today's guests and as always, thank you for listening.